Good afternoon. It is March 13th, 2023. You're listening to a little column A, little column B, hosted by Will Limonos and co-hosted by Zach Bishop. How are you doing today, buddy? What is going on, Will? Finally happened. We have brackets. It's all, oh, just a few more days. It's just going to be wall to wall all day long basketball. There are going to be upsets. There are going to be storylines. It's it's going to go all different directions. I, I just, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I really like the way they're doing it. I know like they're, it's only going to be for a certain amount of time, but the way you get selection Sunday, you get one day to digest. And then tomorrow we're already having playing games. And a lot of people say, oh, well, the playing games really matter. But those, those 11 seeds, th- those teams have really made some runs in the past. It's not just a, you don't even worry about these guys. Those, those playing games, might you know might make a run so you, you got to be paying attention and i'll be uh, i'll be trying to pay attention and we'll we'll see what happens but you know it's just a nice little nice little appetizer before it well, just full meals four days in a row well we wait for this all year and one of the biggest excitements of all this is the scheduling of the games as you said so not only is it kind of basketball every day the early rounds especially where they're staggering the starts of every game and you're basically able to switch the channel and catch the end of another game for an entire day, two days, what, three days straight, however many days, it's it's super exciting. I, I'm excited for here. I'm happy the bracket is out. Uh, before we get into, like, a little tidbits about every section of the bracket, anything stand out for you? Anybody overranked, underranked? <laughs> or, or are you just excited to ha- see that Kentucky, Duke, and Michigan State, all three of our basketball schools, managed to be in one edge of the bracket here? Somebody's coming out of that. Not going to be... I don't think it's going to be chalk this year. I think that's my one safe bet. But anything stand out for you? I I think it's a it, it's a common joke that uh, Michigan State and Duke end up in the same area every year. I I know it's sort of based on region, but there are definitely schools that are closer together. But somehow it just seems like that that's the thing that happens all all of the time. Uh, I was surprised with a uh, Texas A and M going to the finals of the SEC championship game for sure they got blown out by alabama but alabama's been on an absolute uh, warpath uh for a good chunk of the season i, I thought seven i thought they uh could have been seated uh, maybe even two two seats higher uh, i you know i've been looking at the ken palm rankings and, and it's just funny whoa. how whoa who told you about ken palm well it, it's it's a rank it's exactly what you're looking for it's a ranking of teams associated on a bunch of mathematics i i can't nobody really told me that you were going to start looking at numbers for our bracket contest and not just go off of feel oh it's a lot of feel don't worry i oh this this is changing everything i had no idea that you even know knew that ken palm was a site or anything about that i, oof, I have to change up everything now well I'd like to have a little bit of credit. I think I said Alabama looked like the number one overall, and I believe they were elected the number one overall. However, if you go play around with this Ken Palm over here, that may not be the case. And I wrote down a couple teams that I just thought were just just sneaky Ken Palm ranking guys. This is this isn't a fact. This doesn't mean this is for sure, but this is certainly a ranking that takes a lot into account, and I think it's worth worth referencing. However, you can see clearly, based on the, the the rankings in the tournament here, that it's not entirely used for everything. You know, there's still strength of schedule and a whole bunch of other things, and, and as well as how well you did in the conference tournament just recently right now. Uh, anything on the – I assumed you're pretty familiar with the Ken Palm. <laughs> anything jump out for you? Like, I mean, I've seen Connecticut at four here. 
that that's that's a little that's a little scary. There's Texas Tennessee I think at five. It's the, it's the UConn being much higher in Ken Palm than their ranking, as well as the, the reverse is uh, Miami in Ken Palm is much lower than their their ranking in the in the bracket. All right, let's break down each bracket here. We're gonna start. What did I say? We're gonna start with the East. Sure. All right, that's what I got on here. All right, so East, uh, we got Purdue number one. I'm just going to read off a couple of tidbits about some teams that maybe you weren't as familiar with or things that you may want to know before you start making selections. Uh, before we get into any of this, I just want to remind everyone that our bracket is open. It is a free entry. There's a chance to win $150. We've upped it this year, as well as a podcast T-shirt. Sign up is free. Make your Yahoo account. LCALCB.com will redirect you there. Unless you're already following us on any of our other social medias on there, Zach on his Twitter, which is Wicked Z Man 24. And he's sharing that everywhere. There'll be a link right there to go sign up. It's free to enter. Feel free to share it. Don't share it with anybody you think might do better than you. Or maybe, you know, just, just share it with people because you wanted more people in here. Right? It'll be, be more exciting that way. We certainly are trying to get as many people as we possibly can to sign up. We had a little bit of issues with some of the re initiation of of this group i apparently screwed that up somehow where we lost all of our signups from the past year so we're starting from scratch so if you're listening to this sign up if you if you're somehow unfamiliar with it or haven't done this in the past it's it's a real deal all right just just to re- verify this how long have we been doing this in 2015 we're getting on almost 10 years here Oh, I would not have, not have, not have guessed that. No, that's a, that's a lot of years of doing this uh, this this challenge. Yeah. All right. So eastern eastern region here. I'm going to read off a couple interesting things. We got Oral Roberts, number twelve. You may not know this, but they lead the country in pick and pop threes. They're facing your team, Duke. Any any fear out of that? How's your pick and roll defense? A yeah, you didn't know. You didn't know anything. Pick and roll is it's it's not uh it's it's not too bad. Uh. I think uh, we got we have Derek Lively came in as one of the one of the top recruits, if not the top recruits. Definitely struggled, has very much found his uh, his his feel at the defensive end. He's he's a seven footer, so very uh, lanky. Uh, he definitely got. Well, if he were to go against somebody like uh, Purdue's uh, big man uh, Edie, he could get pushed around. But what helps him is he can move around. He's good laterally. You know, they, they, we hear it all the time. You know, this team can switch one through five, one through five. Lively can legitimately switch out onto onto a point guard. Yeah, and just he's he's just he's just so he just got so much length. I didn't put together any Duke stuff. All right, now next one. I'm just gonna start reading off random stuff. If you got something to say, Whoa, to you, it, add, add that, to that it. That was the only thing you had about Oral Roberts. Not that they have a seven foot five guy that can shoot threes. Uh, that they got uh Max uh. Abmus, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He's the one from a few years ago that led the team when they were 15 seed that beat Ohio State, as well as they have currently the longest win streak in uh, college basketball. They have won 17 games in a row. They were undefeated in their conference, uh, both during the regular season and then obviously during their uh, during their conference tournament. And they are 12 seed playing number five seed Duke. What happens every year to a 12 seed? Usually a 12 seed will upset a 5 seed. At and least, I think that Oral Roberts is the best 12 seed. I think at least one 12 seed advances on average every year. I think it's a safe bet. So if you're picking your 12 fives, don't be afraid to pick one 12. If you've got a good feeling about it, this is certainly not a bad one to shy away from. Although, it, it just historically, picking against Duke just seems 
did a lot of these. Sometimes the seating is all weird like this, where Duke being a five and not a two or a three or even a one, it, it, it seems out of place. Like, how is Duke a bad basketball team? It's like, this is an excellent basketball program. How are they at five? It could be a trap game, though. I'm telling you that for Oral Roberts. Sometimes these, these, these blue bloods get these seeds, and, and you underestimate them. So I, I wouldn't wouldn't go too far in that. But all right, they lead the country in pick and pops. They got a whole bunch of guys over there. Kentucky, I don't know if you know this, but they, they lead the league in offensive uh, rebounds. Nobody gets more offensive rebounds than Kentucky. You could argue that their best offense is just a missed shot. 38% of the available rebounds are offensive rebounds. They're able to get 38% of them. That's a lot of rebounds. That's something that's going to be super helpful if you're just in an ugly game, which all of these games at some point will become an ugly game. Nobody will make a shot, and there's just a whole bunch of rebounds available. It's good to know that you have an offense that's basically built around, even if you're on or off, you got a whole bunch of rebounders down there. I think that could be a huge factor going in. Coaching, big factor. I'm looking at all these teams. Like If Coach K is still in here, this is like an incredible group of, of coaching in this just little section here. Um, anything to add to Kentucky or Providence here? Oh, I got some more for this one for you. So, Kentucky, you mentioned all of the, the offensive rebounding stats. The team overall is good. They're, they just... You know, they're big. They recruit really well. They're actually much older than than normal. But the main offensive rebounder is Oscar Sheboy. So you take him out, and I'm going to say they're much more average on the offensive boards. But he is absolutely elite. He's the defending national player of the year. But the real wrinkle in this game is that Providence has a guy called Bryce Hopkins. Bryce Hopkins played at Kentucky last year, averaged something like 2.2 points and you know one rebound or something did not get enough playing time he goes to providence i don't know exactly what his uh his numbers are off the top of my head but i want to say it's something like 16 and 8 now so he's absolutely just flourishing so it's going to be pretty interesting if there's a, a little bit of a revenge factor uh kentucky in january and in february kind of turned things around and it was like oh okay looks like they they figured it out you know, they had some injuries, moved some things around, figured out it looked like Cason Wallace at the point was really the way to go. But in the past uh, few weeks, they've lost to Vanderbilt twice. They lost the first round of their uh, conference tournament, and no team to lose the first round of the conference tournament has ever won a national championship. That's a good stat right there. Uh, this teammate thing where you have the transfer situation here, do you think this is going to help Kentucky more or Providence more? Because I could argue Kentucky saw this guy play. And everything he saw is probably a new set of guys every year in Kentucky. So I, I think if anything, this is only going to help Kentucky of having a guy where they're actually familiar of what he's doing. Sure, he's having statistically a better season, but I don't think he's doing anything he wasn't capable of doing previously to that. So I, I, I actually think that's going to end up benefiting Kentucky. Uh, all right, next uh, next matchup here. What do I got? I got Kansas State versus Montana State. I got two two fun stats with this. Kansas State, this is the go-to LU team right here. Right? You want to watch some fun dunks? This team's got at least 10 of them between Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. You can watch all 10. They're on YouTube. There's already a playlist made for it. Uh, but So that's just kind of an up and running. They're a fast transition team. If you're looking for just an entertaining game, that's that. On the flip side of that, Montana State is second in the country in, po in points off post-ups. So this is literally as slow as you can get. They're, there's a one other. There's only other one other team that has more post-ups than them. I'll talk to them in a, at a later point here. So certainly a yin and yang of, of basketball style which is the fun thing of way these get matched up here do you think this will end up prevailing in this half slow half court team or in the run and gun fast offense team the, the run and gun fast offense team yeah it's kind of kind of set up for that way 
Uh, have you seen any of those dunks by any chance? I bet you didn't know they led the. Well, they, I think they lead the tournament in alley oops com- completed. I, th- I think that's a, the stat I got here. Interesting. That is that is a fun stat right there. I have not come across that one. Yeah. Well, it's it's. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, they're they're just bits, man. I didn't watch every single game like you did. Like, there's, I'm sure there's stuff you could say about every single team here. I more just found stuff, a, a list of a whole bunch of things about every single team, and I picked things that I thought were interesting and might actually help influence you, either in watching, which that one's a watching one, or in picking, in which a lot of these are mostly just picking. Like, hey, these guys do mostly this. If that's a bad matchup for the other team, maybe this swings you in a certain direction. Uh, one thing, uh, if you're you know, maybe not all the way in on the basketball part of it, and you're looking for, you know, more of the storylines, the personal stories. Uh, Kansas State has uh, Keontae Johnson on the team. Uh, you might have remembered him. It was a, a couple of years ago. He played for Florida and uh, collapsed on the court. So he's uh, taking his time, but he is definitely, like, back in the mix. And so if you're kind of looking for, hey, what's, like, a good feel-good story to root for, Keontae Johnson is definitely an easy one to, an easy one to do it. And this is the – the more fearful one of my Michigan State at number seven here. They're facing USC at number 10. USC is third in the country in two-point shot defense. So if you're shooting twos, they're really good at shutting you down. If you're trying to get stuff in the paint, you're trying to get mid-range stuff, you're going to have to spread it out against them. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. I'm not sure that helps my Michigan State offense here, but it's a good matchup. I, I just like a lot of the matchups. I, I think there's some really exciting matchups. I think out of all the the tournament this time of the year sometimes we see a lot of blowouts and we're just dying for good matchups i think we got a lot of good matchups here uh anything else you want to get into in the east here i didn't really do a lot of the the stuff off the top because i think a lot of other people are already talking about that and i'm trying to give the people the stuff that they're not hearing about yeah i mean it's easy to say hey zach Eady against the 16 seed i think that's gonna work you know i i did mention tennessee is a sneaky kempom team they're number five on the kempom ranking they're number four on the in the ranking in their section of the region here so that's uh, uh, one thing just to mention, it's not specific to the East, but just overall. And kind of, you know, I joked about the, uh, about the one seeds, uh, this year, don't know what exactly to chalk this up to. I'll have to you know, do some, some more thinking on it is in the first round, there are no, there's only one team favored by more than 20 points. Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> you might, might see anything this week. Yeah. Just usually those one sixteen seeds are, uh, uh, a little more, you know, 30 plus, and maybe one of them is 18, 19. But I found, I found that interesting. I think just about every game, even, even the two seeds sometimes, if I were to rank all of the games, the, the funny thing is I think the game I'm most excited to see is a game. We didn't even talk about Memphis versus Florida Atlantic. I, I just think this is a good matchup. Again, these, these are two teams that are pretty good. You could argue advantages for one or another, but you know, Memphis is going to do a full court press and, Florida Atlantic is going to spread all five on the outside. So it's going to be a weird mesh of somebody trying to push and somebody trying to spread. And I don't know how that's going to all play out. But I think that in terms of Ken Palm ranking, you got 19 versus 26. That's an interesting 9-8 matchup here, which is always, I think, the hardest ones to pick throughout the division. I mean, it's 9-8. and eight. These are as close as they can get. And sometimes they're not actually close, and sometimes they're really close. I think this is going to be a one really fun, close uh, one. One fun uh, Memphis uh, stat for you. They have a guy on their team that is 26 years old, DeAndre Williams. Wow. Old man. A lot, a lot of veteran experience there. <laughs> that's that's a second contract in a, maybe even a third contract in the NBA. So just got a lot of things going on with that COVID and red shirts, and there's a lot of older guys. But 26 is, oof, you've, you're a lot older than these guys. 
All right, let's move on to the West. Uh, this is the Kansas number one seed in this region here. I'm going to talk about number eight, Arkansas, who leads the SEC in block percentage. So good luck putting up some shots against them. I, I think the SEC is one of the stronger divisions. If you were to rank any of them right now, are you still going to ride hard for your ACC? Or are you going to give Big Ten, SEC? No, no the, the ACC was not, not very good this year. Okay, that's what I, I was going to listen to you say that and then try and watch you wiggle your way out. But what, what, what do you got on this? I will put SEC number one this year, maybe? No, Big 12. Big 12, all right. Well, either way, Arkansas, long, good defense. I, th I think that's something you got to look for in the tournament. Because a lot of these offenses, if the, if the offense is really good, I think they're one of the favorites. If your offense is okay, you can maybe steal a game off of just having scrappy defense. <laughs> and that's a team like this is, is, is lethal, I think, at number nine or eight or whatever they're ranked at. It's a tough matchup. Uh, I got to really uh, I, like adjust my, like my thought process on Arkansas just because they came on so hot last year and they had uh, – one of the uh, one of the Jalen Williamses that went to OKC. He was the one that constantly took charges, and it was just a epic game uh, them against Duke. And they were just better last year. And so just all this year, when I see them, I just like, oh, like this this is a good team. But I mean, they come in as a, as an eight seed. They're not terrible, but that's not like a okay. Th these guys are right, right at the top, and I just one of those ones of past years just leaking into your brain and poisoning you. That ruins everything for me. Almost every. I mean, even just UCLA. You go back to it two years ago. You got Johnny Juzang in the in the Final Four, and then the following year, Johnny Johnny's barely even a name. Johnny's I don't even know if he was in the rotation by the end of the year of, of like an active starter player. I, I don't know how that all happens, but it's just like a year ago that happened. And the next year, this should have been a, a kind of a, a a better season by him, and he ends up having a, a bit of a step back. It's crazy how how one year into the next year you would think like, oh yeah, they they brought everyone back. They should just be this, and it's not necessarily always like that. All right, uh, another one I got here. I got number five, St. Mary's. I don't know if you know this, but they grab over 56% of total available rebounds. If there's a rebound in the air, these guys are getting it. I, I think that's going to help decide some games. VCU is certainly an, extra, an interesting team. We, we know some history with them. It's not with Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart is in the tournament. Uh, what, where, where is he, Marquette now? Yes. Uh, anything interesting about VCU, St. Mary's? Uh, something to keep in mind. Uh, VCU has not been in the tournament since a couple of years ago, right after the uh, the COVID year. And if you remember, they were the only team that got impacted, uh, that made the tournament, but then tested positive and was not able to play. They had to forfeit their game. So I got to imagine they're just so excited to actually be able to play. And I think it might it might just you know might just spur uh, an upset. You know, you're looking for that 12-5. You got to find it somewhere. There, there is something weird about seeing VCU and knowing, like, oh, there's a familiarity. This has happened before. I have no idea why the history of it has anything to do with this current year, but we just talked about how yeah, history is weird. players, different coach. And it doesn't matter. There, there's something that just sticks with you and all of that. Something that may stick with Connecticut, number four Connecticut playing number 13 Iona. Walter Clayton of Iona has made 98 of 103 free throws this year. He's 95%. That is best in the country. I've never heard of a college kid like this that's actually in the tournament doing this. So it's 98 of 103. How many tries do you think that would take you? I'd, I'd never get to come <laughs> back inside. That is amazing. I did not know that. Yeah, 95%. Good for him. But he's going to be facing the number four Kenbon team in Connecticut. I have no idea whether to take that real or not. The home game aspect of all of this, too, this is going to be in Albany. 
I think that's as close to Connecticut as you're going to get for these regions. This this place could be crazy. I think Albany drew the best games in the first round here. If you're in the area or if you're interested in going, I think these are some great games, some really good matchups. I'm not going to go because I love my command center and I refuse to leave it this year. I, there's too many there's too many things going on. But if you're interested in more of the live action of the games, and get to Albany. I don't know what the tickets are going to be, but this one's going to be crazy. I, I'm expecting huge travel from Connecticut. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't think the, field, the free throw percentage is going to have much effect against them. What are you thinking? Uh, I agree with you. Uh, and UConn's definitely bigger than Iona, but Iona is not that far away. Iona's just right... Uh, Right down in New Rochelle, New York. So you know, you get on, uh, you know, on the highway. That, that that's not too far to go if you're looking to make that make that trip. Well, I uh, hope I hope they do. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm more interested in this game in the uh, in the coaches. You got a uh, Hurley versus Patino. <laughs> like that that would might be worth uh, paying the admission to get in because you're gonna be able to watch them whenever you want. We're on TV. It's only once they you know they they pan to them. But you got two guys that are not afraid to uh, you know. Get after it with anybody. That'll be exciting. I'm happy to have Patino back in in the tournament. I think that'll be better for everybody. And, and then as well as it's interesting now that he's he's kind of the underdog again here. He he is the underdog. The 13 Iona. Oh, big time. Yeah. I I swear if Connecticut if Connecticut wins more than three rounds this year. <laughs> oh man! And then with the Ken Palm being uh, I know yeah you know, so high on him it's like oh okay but then I know. I do not want to be in a situation in the the bracket challenge where I have to root for UConn to win to like gain a point or something. It's just like, ugh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. All right. This is the only playing game stat I got for a team. It's number 11, Nevada. They'll be playing number 11, ASU, either what, tomorrow or, or Wednesday. I, I don't know the schedule on that. And then the winner of that will play TCU. But I bet you didn't know about Nevada that they average 1.2 points per post-up. It's the most efficient in the tournament. I mentioned number two earlier. This is the number one post-up team in the country, Nevada. Give the ball to the post, man. They almost always come out with a point. Either foul or, or it goes in. I, I, that's, that's pretty effective. It, it's, it's old school basketball. These aren't interesting stats. This isn't like Curry averaging 33s from the logo. It's much boring, much more boring. But some of these things can really screw up another team when you have just a sure thing on offense or at least closer to a sure thing. I'd be curious to see how many other offenses are even averaging anything near this, let alone post-ups. Not buying into the post-up game, though. There's, <laughs> there's definitely more post-ups happening in, in college than the uh, than the NBA, but it's definitely there, – there's, there's less of them. Uh, TCU, I, th- I have heard a lot of people being sneaky on them. Uh, what's the upside with TCU? Uh, TCU playing in the, uh, in, in the Big 12, so every week – Twice a week, you were playing a uh, playing a tough, tough matchup. So it's it's kind of hard to say before we know who who they're going to be playing. Uh, my one thing with uh, with Nevada is just going to be they're from the uh, the Mountain West Conference, and in the last year's tournament, I think they had four teams in, and they were out within the first ten hours of the tournament. Oof. All right, Gonzaga number three, Grand Canyon number fourteen. I bet you didn't know Grand Canyon averages 27 points per game off of ball screens alone. That is the most in the tournament. You're picking pop guys in Oral Roberts. Uh, they lead in just three specifically. This is just scores off of ball screens. That being said, Timmy and Gonzaga, how old is Timmy? Is he not 38 now too? I mean, senior oh. at least? Actually, I think I think he is a senior, but this would not be his last year of eligibility 
because of COVID, but I think I think he announced that th- this is done no matter what happens. I really like Timmy. He's just a steady team here. This is not going to be an easy out. I mentioned, you know, some of the strengths of, of the Grand Canyon here, but I, I Gonzaga, I think it's just a sneaky team. I like the way they play. That's good tournament style of basketball, and I think they'll they'll have they'll have a good they'll have a good chance advancing regularly. I, I think Timmy, it just makes a lot of smart basketball plays. As long as guys around him are still effective and are able to hit him in those spots where he has an advantage, I think they still can maintain that advantage. Even being a three seed this year and not necessarily being a top dog, I, I think there's they're one of the scarier teams in the tournament at three right now. No, any love for Gonzaga? It, it's interesting because you know for a while Gonzaga's been you know, right at the tippy tippy top, so it's always been well. If you're one seed, if you don't make it to the final four, you, it's it's a bust. Where when you're at the three, you got a little more little, little more wiggle room, but those those first round games can be a little little more difficult. You're not playing. Uh, you know, the team that really already got their upset in the conference tournament. So now they're there. It's you're playing, you know, maybe, maybe more of a one seed in their, in their conference tournament. And really the main thing I know about, uh, about grand Canyon, they're relatively new to the NCAA, but man, they, uh, their, their home games, they, they pack the gym. They, they, they have a good time. It looks like a party there. Well, I hope they travel. That's the best part of college to see the fans travel. Just everybody get loud. Everybody go crazy. Everybody root for the most craziest thing to happen. So we're all sitting in our seats, ready to watch for. That's one of the things that I, I'm most happy with. Uh, with UNC being out, is that uh, there, there's no chance we're going to be anywhere in the same pod where, you know, all of a sudden there's a bunch of UNC fans that are hanging out from something else, and it's like, well, hold on, what, what are you guys doing here? All right, next one I got number seven Northwestern versus number ten Boise State. A little tight of a matchup. Northwestern was number one in the Big Ten in defensive turnovers. They're going to get on you. They're going to force some turnovers. They, they have a lot of good pressure. Boise State's actually very similar to this. It's maybe a game where first team to 40 wins, but we'll see how it plays out. This Sometimes guys get hot and things happen. This is the second year in a row Northwestern's in, so maybe they can continue to make some noise. I actually think they got out in the first round. If not, it was really close. I can't remember if they got out or not. I remember their first round being really tight last year. Uh I don't know who I'm going to pick with any of these. I'm trying not to give you any of my picks throughout all of these. So some of these might just be mirages here. I'm just telling you stats like, hey, guy, go go pick this. Go go I'm do gonna, that. All right. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to need a fact checker. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, no, I promise you. That, well, maybe I need a fact check where I got them from. So I, I think they're accurate. I've been saying this for a couple of years from the same source. So I'm going to say they're pretty, pretty strong here. Uh, not, a, not a whole lot of noise there. Nothing exciting about two defensive teams. All right. Number two, UCLA. Against number 15, NC Asheville. UCLA takes the most shots inside 17 feet. They take the most two-point shots in the tournament. Is this a good thing? Is this a, is this a style of play that we're, we're mocking or laughing at? I, I just look at all these teams that shoot so many threes, and sometimes they make them and they blow up big leads, and sometimes they die by them. They don't ever score again. I think there's something to be said about a team that scores a lot of two-point shots. It just depends on your shot selection. I watch a lot of teams, say Baylor specifically, they don't really take a lot of great two-point shots. They take a lot of two-point shots, but if they're bad shots, I'd almost rather you take a ton of threes because at least those are worth more. I don't know, interesting one. I, any any thoughts on UCLA? Uh, it's, it's always a little tricky when you when you see that stat, especially in college more than the NBA because it's, well, 
are you a slow ground and pound and you're just giving it to a big man down low? Or is it because you're high flying and you're just out on the break all the time? So those points in the paint are really, you know, more, more fast break points. Uh, if you want to lay it down, uh, I watched some, uh, UCLA, uh, th- this past week and they have, uh, Amari Bailey who, uh, little drama, his mom, uh, dates Drake. Huh? Did, 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 didn't know that she got a Wikipedia page too. I mean, I, I don't know exactly, but, uh, I, I think he he's he, he's very, very talented. Uh, from uh, went to went to Sierra Canyon. Uh, I think he'll be he'll be a guy that is uh that's, that's in the in the league in the future. Wait, so is is Drake College from Drake? Is that Drake's college? Does Drake own that? Is that is it no, named after no. that Drake? No, I think Drake's most associated with Kentucky and Canada. Well, that's <laughs> not college. They, there's no Canada colleges that are allowed to play in our tournament. All right, moving on from that rumor. Uh, I guess that's not even a rumor. Not a rumor. It's just fine. It's just it seems like just a weird gossip of the sports podcast here. Just just sneak that in right there in case in case you're wondering. Drake's pretty popular. Yeah, I don't think that's really helping me make my selection here, and it's not really something I'm going to tune in to watch for. So maybe it just didn't apply to those rules under my my kind of teams we're talking about here. All right, moving on. Anything else you want to talk about in this division? This little region. Just uh, Kansas got blown out in uh, in in their conference championship game, but uh, Bill Self, uh, we I, we don't really know exactly what happened, but was hospitalized. Uh, it, they announced that he would and now he would coach in the in the tournament. But just just something to kind of keep an eye on there, and hopefully he's uh, he's getting better. Historically, of all of the teams that are constantly favored or constantly a favorite, that let me down every year. Kansas is the one. I, I'm just haunted by every – I just try to rule them out early because they've they've disappointed me anytime I tried to push really? them out farther. I, I don't know why. I always guess wrong on Kansas. Because uh, I'll give you I'll give you a little bit of – some facts on this. When they've been the one seed, they've made the Final Four seven out of eight times, and they won the championship last year. I'm not a believer, and this will be the year I am a believer, and they don't do it. I think I, I like them – I always like them more as two seeds, and they screw me at two seeds, and they probably kill me at one seeds where I don't love them. And this is I very think much- I do the same thing with uh, with Michigan State, where, where it's like, oh, no, Michigan State, they're really good. Never good. It just – I always get that one wrong. It, this is one that's going to haunt me. This is a year, too, where I, I'm not entirely sold on all of the one seeds. Like you said, the, the margins of, of the one seeds, we only got 120.1 this year. So they are they are closer. We're, we're not necessarily head and shoulders above everyone at these, these one seeds as we normally are. And yet you factor in the coach thing. That's certainly not great. I imagine you'd like to have your coach not only for the tournament, but the, the, the your conference tournament before the actual tournament leading into this. And I, I'm not sure where that's going to be. Uh, they're certainly a talented team. Those are just some hiccups that, that might cause a real bump in, bump in the road. So we'll see. All right, moving on to the Midwest here. This is the Houston number one seed in this region here. My first little stat here is Iowa. Iowa leads the country in transition points. They'll be facing number nine, Auburn. This is going to be a tough matchup here. Uh, transition points, though, I think that's just fun to watch if you're looking for entertainment. Watch a sloppy game of a team just trying to go as fast as possible. And that might be this team. Uh, any any thoughts on Iowa or Auburn? I, I really like all of these uh, eight nine matchups. I, I I must like them. I like them every year, but I don't know for this year it just seems even even more so. 
I, I'm still just wowed by that Iowa comeback versus Michigan State where they hit so many threes in a row where they had to hit all the threes in a row. And Michigan State only missed one free throw. Like, they didn't melt down. They did, you know, there was no turnovers. It was just an unreal performance. And I, I think that they might have used up all their magic. Like, there's no more magic left. You, you don't get that multiple times. Could be. Auburn, decent team as well. These eight nines, I think, are as hard as they've ever been. I mean, I could go through every single region here. I mean, Iowa-Auburn, I could see that going either way. Arkansas-Illinois, we just talked about that. Memphis-Florida-Atlantic, I think that's going to be the best game of the first couple days here. You're going to see some good games here. Uh, moving on, I, we got Miami-Drake here. The Drake little fun thing I got, what is it, the father-son? Uh, I, I don't have the names or anything like that. I, I just I remember reading that. But Drake has, a, I think, an NBA prospect that, that his dad's also the coach. All right, maybe I not. Thought, I thought that was uh, I thought that was Boise State, but I've listened to a lot of facts, so there could be and there could be two. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say that I, Miami the ACC team. I think they were. This is another team that I, I I feel like I either ride them really deep some years where they're just this big, strong, athletic team, and not necessarily the most talented, but they play really hard and they're a really tough matchup for some teams. I think this might be one where I think Drake's got a little bit more seniors, a little bit more age, and they got I think I think they got one player. If I read this correctly, I forgot his name. Who's pretty good? I think he's he's got some chances of playing on the next level next year, and or maybe at some year. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's hard to cram everything in. Where I I you didn't I didn't I've watched a lot more this year than I ever have in the past, but it, it doesn't really do a whole lot when you've got to cram sixty eight teams into a podcast the day before. Like it's just yeah, there's just a whole, a whole lot of stuff everywhere. Uh, I do have my next little stat is actually for Iowa State, who will be playing either Mississippi State or Pitt. Iowa State forces the most turnovers in the country. 26% of the possessions are forced turnovers for them. They're able to do that 26% of the time. That sounds like a fun stat if you're trying to win in the tournament here, especially if you play a sloppy team or just a team that's not able to take care of the ball. Who knows what you're getting at an 11 seed out of Mississippi State or Pitt, but I will take my chances with Iowa State on that one. And then my favorite one is good old good old toothpaste Colgate here. This is the same stat as last year, basically. I don't know if you know this, but they lead the tournament as well as the, the, the whole country in three-point percentage. They're number one in three-point percentage. They're number seven in two-point percentage. So if these guys get a shot off, chances are it's going in. Just don't let them get a shot off, which is, I think, generally how they get beat in these early rounds. I don't think Texas will have any problem problems with them but it's just an interesting thing that this team is a 15 seed and yet they are the number one three-point shooting team in the country do they just not take a lot of them i have no idea i, I, don't, I don't have anything more than they just have the best three-point percentage and they have the number seven two-point percentage hmm. and they're 15th overall still ranked in this in this tournament and they're going to be playing texas at number two they're probably going to get smacked I, I don't know how these all happen like this so that's why some of these stats mean something and some of them mean nothing like it's like uh, uh, you're you're if I told you those stats and you didn't know anything about it, it'd be like, oh, I, I, if this team shoots, they, they got a really good chance at, at making it. And yep, I think that seems pretty good. Seems pretty good. But uh, yeah, they still always end up at 15. I think there's a lack of athleticism and I think defensively. They these, must, yeah, must not play any defense. The, these shooters are just at least the past couple of years. I've, I've had this Colgate stat. Laterally, they have some uh, weaknesses, I'll say. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about in the Midwest here? Uh, just one, one little thing, uh, for Miami, uh, 
Amir, uh, their 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 big man, got hurt uh, like a minute into uh, into into the Duke game. Uh, he he's questionable right now. But out of all the guys that are hurt, might possibly not play. He's the one that uh, gamblers are saying has has the biggest impact. Interesting, gamblers uh, getting the get the money lines. All right, all right. Moving on to the south here. This is the Alabama region number one over there my first little stat here i got about charleston charleston is a fast team they shoot a lot of threes over 40 percent of their shots 47 percent of their shots are threes that is top 10 in the country i've seen a lot some people saying this is a possible upset at 12 i think san diego state is a little steadier of a team and i will take my chances with a team that's focused on defense versus a team that's focused on chucking up as many threes and playing as fast as possible However, I've seen this go wrong where some teams are like, no, 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 we're going to do the Virginia thing. We're going to take our time. We're going to do the half court. We're going to do all this. And other teams just blew you out of the water before it was even over, before it even started. They just go up by a ton of threes. I can see that happening. I don't think it'll happen, but I bet you didn't know that about Charleston. I did not. Uh, number three, Baylor, who's going to be playing number 14. Uh, it was a Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara. Yes. Baylor averages 15 points per game. On jump shots off the dribble, is that is that how you want your offense to be described? Is it just you? You're one of the higher teams that just score off the dribble in specifically two point games and jump shots. It's it's a weird one. It's a weird one because I it, it's got to depend on the the efficiency. If you have a guy that's really good at it, it's like oh okay that that's that's good that's that's tough to guard if you're doing it. But if it's yeah you 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 just do that a whole bunch of for the game and you know you're shooting twenty percent like that's not good. The three-point percent percent shooting across the board has improved for a lot of teams. I think if you were to go back even farther in time before, like, the three-point revolution, I'll call it, then this sort of team is a team you like that doesn't take a lot of bad threes but tries to get closer to the basket and generally can get better shots for that. But sometimes I think just the math doesn't always work out. It's like we know three is more than two. And, and like, if you were an NBA team, you would almost laugh at a, at a team trying to do this. But... Yeah, there's still guys trying to do it, and there's still guys that might be able to pull it off. I, I don't, I'm not saying Baylor's a bad team. I just I wouldn't want to wear my crown on being really good at two point shots and shots specifically off the dribble. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out there. All right, next one: Utah State, number ten, playing number seven, Missouri. Utah State has Stephen Ashworth. Stephen Ashworth shoots over 50% on threes off the dribble. Another guy here off the dribble, man. Nobody's passing anymore. I, I didn't have any passing stats for any of all that. Utah State is a sneaky Kempom. They are ranked number 18 versus Missouri is also, I think, a, a sneaky Kempom too. What are they, uh, 15? No, no, no. 51? I wrote it down, but I can't read my number. 51. 51. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say 15 seems too high. 51. I think I wrote that that down wrong. I was like, they can't be 15. <laughs> 51. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, just make sure I get some of this stuff right. Yeah, this, this, good good sources here. Great yeah. sources here. All right, shoots yeah, over, like over 50% on three off the dribble. So if, if he's dribbling off the pick and roll, he's going to shoot a three off the dribble. Don't let him do that. Make him do a catch and shoot, I guess. Is that what this stat is telling me? I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, who knows? All right. But that's a fun thing to play with like just one stat. It's just like here's just one little tiny part of the picture and figure it out from there. All right, I got two more here. Number nine, West Virginia. They'll be playing number eight, Maryland. They have a guy, Eric Stevenson. He shoots over thirty four percent 
on just every possession. So he just shoots 34. I don't know why I have that one written down. Oh, no, no, he shoots 34% of their shots. He doesn't pass the ball. That's what it is. <laughs> that makes way more sense. I was like, why are these guys shooting 34%? That's, like, not good. <laughs> no, 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 no. He shoots 34% of their possessions. So maybe wow. maybe put a second guy on him. I don't know, maybe slow him down a little bit. That's It seems like a high usage rate that would be a red flag. Especially, it's not like a lot of these teams have the blessing of having a true number two guy. Like, if you got a true one, you got you got something on anyone. But if, if you have a guy and you can just take him out of the game, 34% of your possessions, if you could just remove all of those shots and force him onto anywhere else, some other guy who doesn't get any of the, near, the amount of shots here is going to have a big day, and maybe he's not ready for it. Interesting one, though. I, it's funny how the ball is Especially doesn't... in college, where a lot of these coaches, you get two fouls in the first half, you're, you're sitting the rest of the half. It, you can... It doesn't even have to be the, the other team takes you out. Your own coach takes you out. All right. My last one here is for number 16, SEMO. What is it? Southeast Missouri State. Did I get that right? I think that's right. Uh, they, they're a 16 seed. They'll be playing another 16 seed. That's another long name, Texas A&M something something. Corpus Crispy is something like that. I don't know. Don't, don't quote me on any of that. They're, they're going to be playing Alabama. But I just wanted to shout out that uh, SEMO – has Philip Russell, who's just going to chuck up a lot of shots from really far away. If you haven't already seen that, that might be fun. He's going to be probably getting his ass kicked by Alabama in the very first round if he's able to advance in this playing game. I kind of just want to see him just go one on whatever Alabama brings on and just chuck up a whole bunch of threes. Just thought I'd throw that out there because I've seen him do this, and I, I think it's something you may want to keep an eye on. Because who knows? What if this works? You know, How do you shut down a guy who just starts making shots from half court? You know what, what? What do you do? What's the, what's the next plan? Force him to shoot farther you, back. You put, you put Brandon Miller on him. Well, I think Brandon Miller is probably the best player of the tournament right now. I don't know if that's crazy to say, but drama aside, I really like Alabama. I, I I stand by all that. I think they have one of the easier routes. I think to the Final Four. I'm not really scared of Virginia, Baylor. I think we talked about a little too much dribble offense here. San Diego State, I think, is a sneaky one. I think West Virginia and Maryland are commendable, and it will be decent matchups for Alabama. They could certainly upset there. I wouldn't be shocked by it, but I, I think Alabama, Alabama's got a good chance to advance pretty far here. It's really what I'm going to boil it all down to. All right, anything I didn't talk about in any of these divisions? I know it's kind of all over the place, and there's tons of things we could talk about all the big teams, but you know, we're 42 minutes into this, and I can only talk about so much. There's 68 teams. I could spend 10 minutes on each one. Is there anything I missed that you really wanted to get to before we just start moving on to NFL and NBA stuff? Maybe talk a little bit about our bet consequences. Sure. Yeah, I think we did a nice job uh, dancing around uh, the bracket and mentioning different different stats and different little little nuggets that we've uh, come along the way. And you know, do do your own research and you know, jump in the jump in the in the pool, compete against us. Yeah, all right. Speaking of jumping in the pool, I'm going to be getting some snow this week, Zach. So the the bet consequence lives on where I, I still haven't done it. I need to do this. It was going to happen last week. I had some car problems and just it just didn't seem worth it. It seemed even better now that I'm actually going to get some snow this week and it'll even be. I captured. You were going to do it on Friday and I captured you and made you hang out with me. Yeah. Zach says, what are you doing Friday? And instead of going skiing to do this, he says, let's go drink all day. And that's that's what we did instead. <laughs> It was, it was a good uh, good alternative. I, I just I need to actually get this bet over with, and I'm running out of winter. Something that we'd already known could only be done during this time frame, and I had all this winter to get it done with, and it's still not done. And now Has the, the snowstorm started by you yet? 
not really. It I'd, I'd have to check outside right now, but it, it was starting, but not really sticking. It, we're we're okay. in this weird like temperature range here. We're at some point it's going to be snow, but it's kind of like that weird thirty-five degrees with some wind chill. So it's it's a little bit of a mix. What's going I'm on? I'm thinking right that now. two and a two two feet of snow is really going to make the skiing a lot better. I I hope so. At least I'll have a better day out. I mean, I I definitely want to get the bet stuff over with, but I'd also like to have like a decent ski day. Like that was going to be the bummer of going last Friday was I don't think it was going to be as nice. There's going to be trails closed and the conditions weren't going to be nearly as good, but at least I get the bet over with. I I, I feel like I'm being rewarded for my weight now this week where I'll have actual decent ski conditions and it'll probably look a little bit better for the video too. Because I don't want the video to look like this guy's driving down and there's no snow here. There's like tree lines. Where are all the people? Yeah, it's... Uh, all right. Uh, bet consequences. That's last year's. We need to lock in this year's. I think we have some nominees. I think we need to make a decision by the end of the tournament. Maybe we just lock in everything we said we we said on the past podcast, and that'll all go on a wheel, and we'll spin the wheel maybe once around here and eliminate something. Sound yeah. fair? Yeah, I like that. Yep. All right, that way we don't really need to get in anything and argue about how we really don't have any other better ideas than what we got. So that that is what it is. Entries are locked in. Uh, we'll 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 have a wheel. We'll eliminate some stuff as we go. All right, anything else to get to about that? Are you ready to talk about some crazy NFL stuff in March? Yes, yes I am. Well, do you want to talk about the possibility that Aaron Rodgers is likely going to be in our division with the New York Jets helmet on, or do you want to talk about the Bears? trading a number one pick for for Carolina, who look, I just I don't understand value anymore. Maybe I, I just the number one pick. You could just get whatever you want for it. Like, why doesn't everyone trade it every year? Yeah, this seems way better. I, I, I got to take a gamble on one guy possibly being a quarterback. It could easily bust in two years or even if he is good, my team might not be good enough around him and he'll just struggle for three years. And then we'll have to either pay him a ton of money for being amateur or get rid of him and try it all over again. I just like if you don't have a quarterback, I understand investing in the draft. And if you want to have the number one pick to get the right guy and you're 100 percent committed to that guy. Cool. But I just I really like what the Bears received. So the Bears trade the number one pick and they're going to receive this year's number nine. This year's 61 next year's first round pick, a second round pick in 2025, as well as a nice little DJ Moore throw in right there, which is immediately helpful. All these picks are great, but they don't necessarily guarantee to help. Uh, Justin Fields this year, I think DJ Moore is is immediately a piece of like, hey, we we got a we got a receiver. He's he's not the best one, but he's he's a name, and, and it's better than what we did have, which was nothing. So I I, I like the deal for all of this. I like the commitment to Justin Fields. I, I think he showed some really nice things last year, and you would just be rolling the dice for something else. If you could have got this value for trading Justin Fields though, I I would have would have considered that. Would do you think that would have been crazy though? Like, would you trade Justin Fields for everything they got? I liked what I saw out of, out of Justin Fields this year. I think that there's a ways to go, but you need a quarterback. And if you don't have one, you're going nowhere. So I don't think you just trade it away where I, I'm much like better trading the number one pick and going about it that way and saying, okay, we're going to build around them. We'll have more draft capital. And now you got a, a, you know, a competent wide receiver and you, you go that route rather than you trade him you're picking at one, you're kind of starting the process all over again. It's it's good value. I love what the Bears did. If you're Carolina, do you still love it, though? Because you, you don't have a quarterback, right? You've already struck out with, what, four guys last couple years here that were all these 
will they, won't they, the guys I just described, that they, they struggle for three years and they get cut by their team and they're like, well, maybe they just needed to be in a better situation. And the problem is, is Carolina's just not the greatest situation to be in. What I will say is that division is an excellent place to be in. Their roster might not be ready, but their division's ready. If they can make a little bit of noise and put some pieces together, who knows? They could easily have the best quarterback in the division one day after the draft this year. I, I, I don't even think that's insane to say. I just wouldn't have done it, though. I wouldn't have done it if I was Carolina. I still wouldn't have done it. I don't know if this is necessarily the guy. Like, do you believe this number one guy is the guy? Who is the number one? I don't even know who it is. I don't even think the, the number one guy is even a quarterback. It's, all right, then who are they going for? I don't even know. It's it's March. Yeah. All right. Well, I I just I don't know if I necessarily would have done it, but they know they wanted it, and that was the price of it. And I don't blame the Bears for it. This stressful to have the number one pick too. There's certainly advantages to it, but if you screw this up, you're setting your franchise back. You know, like what if this doesn't work out for Carolina? Like they're, they're, I, I I don't I don't really think it is. I I, I googled because uh, I saw you know. A first round next year, so that's going to move up depending on how uh, the Panthers like their level of success. And I go and I look and I see, oh, what's their the depth chart? And I see Sam Darnold. Then right underneath, I see and from an hour ago that 49ers add Sam Darnold to their quarterback mix. So, uh oh. Yeah, I I don't know. I wouldn't have done this. And not if- even like Sam Darnold was like, a, oh, he's for sure. Yeah, he's gonna be good. I mean, the nicest thing you could say about Sam Darnold is the only team. In, in the league that was excited to have him was was the team that was waiting for him to come back and that's the team that just let him go in Carolina here like I remember Carolina was like oh don't worry Darnold's gonna come back you know if he was just healthy now we, we would be so much better off we would have won the division I don't know if I'm gonna say that but the, 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 that excitement's fizzled out uh you know what good for them if they end up getting a guy this guy ends up becoming the guy but if they miss on this that's gonna be a long long couple years I think for Carolina a uh, couple other things I want to talk about beyond just the Rodgers deal. I'm curious to see what he ends up being traded for. Let me ask you this. Would you rather trade and give up what they're going to give up to get Rodgers or just sign Tom Brady at whatever age for whatever price it costs without trading anything? What would you rather have? The second one. The Brady? Just pick him up yeah. for nothing? Just sign him? Sign him for a one-year deal? Yeah. That sounds that sounds way easier. Yeah. Just sign the better quarterback at less money for less assets? Well... I'm just going to read off a couple other quarterback signings that have happened within the past couple weeks here. So the the Rodgers, I don't know what the deal's going to end up being, but it, I, I'm hearing first-round picks for him, which seems just crazy for me. Just just insane. And I can't wait to face Rodgers in, in this division. I actually think we're going to play him very well and not be feared at all. We're not going to be the Bears of this division, right? He's not going to own us. This is, it's not going to be like that. But just to, just to compromise here, too, where the, the Jets have options, they can either pay certain guys that are free agents or they can make a trade for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. They can even make a trade for maybe a guy like, you know, Lamar Jackson. I don't know what this non-exclusive franchise tag thing amounts to, but just to read off a couple quarterbacks that have signed this year, Daniel Jones, four years, $160 million, pricey. Geno Smith, three years, $75 million. Jimmy Garoppolo, three years, $67.5 million. And then Derek Carr, four years, $150 million. You start reading off those numbers, and now I start understanding why the Jets are like, how many picks? Rodgers? Well, you know, it's not the greatest thing, and I don't think Rodgers is the guy I'm going to be building my franchise around. But it's either that or I lock into something like this. And I don't know if I like the idea of any they of They literally started Joe Flacco last year. Yeah, so, I don't know. Joe is there, Flacco. Is there a wrong, there's maybe not a wrong decision here when you're saying that, when you're starting with Flacco. But I, I just, 
I think I, that helps the Rodgers trade argument a little bit when it's like, well, would you rather have Daniel Jones for four years, $160 Because I know I wouldn't. <laughs> would you rather have Geno for $75? This, this, maybe. I think out of all of them, that's that's my favorite one. Derek Carr, four years, $150. Like, that's just this is crazy money here. I understand how important the position is, but all well, of these a lot guys, of that is not it. You know, the football contracts are not nearly as, as locked in as basketball, where that the, the first number comes out, and then you got to really look into it, and then oh well, that's what they're getting. Like okay, like that's much more reasonable. Well, would you rather trade for Rodgers or sign any of those contracts for your guy, your starting quarterback? I guess you got to just you got to know where you, where your team is because. When you're signing these guys, you're getting younger guys, and you know, like, this is going to be my guy for the next three to four years. Where with Aaron Rodgers, it, it's one year. I mean, it's going to be almost like the LeBron back in the day of, it's a, you know, the one and one of, well, I'll sign for this year, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I like what the Jets did. I liked what Mike White did last year, so it's kind of hard to overlook that. But the, there's a limitation in, I think, his ceiling. But I think there's also a massive disappointment if, if Rodgers just mails it. Like, Rodgers wasn't good last year. It, like, tell me why Like why was Green Bay bad last year? Do you think there's a team that was around him in which they brought a lot of guys back Garrett, that were good the year before? Or was it just he wasn't good last year? Because he really wasn't that you're, good. You're not focused on that. You're focused on he's only two years removed from being the MVP. Oof. You're focused on he was the best in the league not that long ago, and last year was the blip, and he's still got something left in the tank. I wouldn't be shocked if he just mailed in all of last year, too, and it was just awesome on day one. I don't know. So you're making me sound like I should be worried about the Jets in our division. I'm already worried about Buffalo. The Miami thing is all up in the air because there's still Brady rumors and there's a two our rumors. Dude, just stop. Like, what? I mean, we're... I'm glad we didn't sign any of the guys we did and we're not trading for anyone like this, but I'm not excited to be in a division with <laughs> potentially with Lamar, Lamar Jackson and uh, Josh Allen and, and who knows whatever, whatever else ends up coming all together here. And Aaron Rodgers, this, this, is not, this is not what I signed up for. I hope our defense is ready because it sounds like these guys are making moves and they're all going for it. They're all tired of being second fiddle, third fiddle, or last fiddle to us. And and now for a I, long time. Now I now I think we're really starting to pay for some of these these decisions here of just rubbing it in everyone's face for X amount of years. I still I still think we'll prevail eventually, but these are these are rumors that I'm not excited about as a Patriot fan to hear. I hope the Jets give up everything to get Rodgers. I hope it ends up being super expensive. I hope there's just another team out there that doesn't even want Rodgers that's just pushing the price up. I hope that's us. What if that's just us? Well, you got to be careful of that game. That's a game of chicken. Eh, I don't think we want Aaron Rodgers. No, I don't think he wants Belichick either. I think he's looking for freedom, which is why I don't I don't really think his next stop is going to be any better. Like, I look at the Russell Wilson thing where he was finally free of the Pete Carroll stuff. We let him cook for a whole year, and how did that look? Well... That couldn't have looked any worse. Burnt. Couldn't have looked any worse. If you asked me of anything, he was like, you know what this guy needs? Some good coaching. So they fixed that. They got him that. They got him one of the best coaches available. And, and I just wonder if Rodgers is going to be kind of the same way, where he goes to a guy and tells him, I know exactly how to do. The guy lets him do it. He's a younger coach in Sala, and he gets burned entirely when Rodgers just doesn't take anything seriously or they have no plan or they just don't, don't work. I, I, I could see that happening as well. I, w- I wouldn't be investing super heavily in Rodgers, but I'm even as I say that I'm not super excited to go against him every twice a year either. 
Uh, all right. Any well, other? Once again, it's not it's not prime Aaron Rodgers. It's forty year old Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. Well, we're not exactly the most biggest beast of a team here, right? We're not very threatening. Is is really more of my fear. Uh, all right, that's enough for NFL here. We've been going for on about an hour. I want to touch on a couple NBA topics. Uh, Kevin Durant is injured again. I think this is going to change a lot of the playoff framework here, especially going forward. Played a couple games, looked great, then falls during warm-ups. This, this is just bad. This isn't good for the league or for him. And, the, and now that there's this weird Suns team that could end up, you know, at a number four seed and this should be an excellent matchup, and it could be a terrible matchup that we we all just get cheated on this this Durant injury again. I'm disappointed by it. I can't believe it happened in warmups. Do you remember anything else like this happening to this high of of, of a level of player? Like this is this is Kevin Durant. This isn't just no. Like, I think when I initially told you, you were saying, oh, I guess he wants like a rest tonight or something. Where but it's like, man, if you drive all the way to work, like you're already there. That's half the battle. So then when they came out with the video pretty quickly after that, it's just. In warm-ups? How does this happen in warm-ups? And he just falls. Just straight-up slips. It, yeah, right? It's uh, the banana it like peel. A, it was a completely routine you know, layup lines. It, nothing weird about it. It, 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 it. There shouldn't anything. Nothing should have happened. It just looked like there was a banana peel on the floor, and he just, just slipped. It's crazy. There's guys before in the lineup, when you watch the video, it's like there's a guy that just went and did that same step and stepped exactly right there in, in nothing. It. it Weird how the luck falls. I'm disappointed that this is kind of the way it may end for for Phoenix. They said he's going to come back. I, I, I do think he's going to come back. I don't think he's going to come back. I think he comes back. I don't think he'll be back in time. I think they're going to try to get him back by the first round, and maybe this is one of those things where they they put him in. You know, this is, this is going to be one of those things. Are you going to play Durant at eighty percent in Game Six to have a chance to force a Game Seven? I think everyone says yes, and then if something goes wrong. You just gave up a lot for a guy that could be hurt for you know who knows how long. It, it's I know you're you're all in for this year and the CP3 window is shrinking, but if you have Booker and you have Durant healthy next year going forward, I think that's a bigger priority. But you know who am I to tell a team to not go for this year? I it just I would be very very careful on what I would do with Kevin Durant from here on. He's already coming off the Achilles injury. He's not the youngest guy. Let that Phoenix training staff just just work on him until until he's ready I, i'm just this just sucks that this is a good team that isn't going to be a good team that's going to not make it is going to make the playoffs and isn't going to is going to give us a weak playoff matchup if he doesn't come back i, I want to see all these all-stars play in these games all right let's talk about a couple just hot so quick so quickly too it was in the it was supposed to be the home debut for him it's like you go you, you think you're going to see durant and not only do you not get to see him it's because he gets hurt and now he's done for at least the regular season it's like we just traded for this guy. Yeah, I'd uh, I'd keep the receipt on that jersey if you already got it. <laughs> uh, a couple win streaks in the NBA here. The Bucks are eight and two in their last ten. The Celtics are six and four. The 76ers are seven and three. The Knicks are seven and three. The Knicks are a six seed. They're kind of still climbing up here. They had a couple losses there. I'd say the biggest news in the NBA though is the Nuggets are on a three-game losing streak. They are six and four in their last ten. I've seen some struggles at the top for all the big guys. I mean, the Celtics are getting a little bit straightened out here, but I don't like the way we're playing. Certainly the worst we I think we've played all year. And now the Nuggets, 
like, is it a reward to be the one seed, or do you just have a target on your back and then you just crawl into the playoffs because everyone's been shooting at the target all season? Like, it, it feels a little bit like that for the Nuggets and for the Celtics to some degree. Is this? Re- I think on the on on the, on the Nuggets side, it's well, oh no, we lost three games and we still have a five game lead. It, it's not insurmountable, but it's still there's still pretty uh pretty big gulf there to to make that push. So I think some of it is just, you know, you get a little break at the All-Star, you know, for for All-Star, and then still, I mean, we still got like a bunch of games left to play. Like, come on, let's just wrap this up. Let's get to the playoffs. Come on. The Kings are 8-2 and two in their last. They're on a three-game win streak. I don't think they can catch Denver, like you said, but they're they're convincing me that they really want to be a two-seed and that they're, they're going to have a home game this year. It, it feels very much like that, and I I can't really argue against it. I'm not sure I'm going to pick them in that first round as at a home game, though. Like, if they're a two seed, are you are you sold on whatever Dude, this bubble ends up being? That is going to be an absolute party. Like, they have not been in the playoffs for so long oh, that they they're going to be all all riled up. Light the beam, light it up. Uh, Memphis is three in the West. They're six and four of their last ten. They're on a two game win streak. John Morant still not playing, still not exactly phrased correctly on exactly what they've like is he suspended is he is he getting paid is he coming back soon do do we know we don't know anything i don't know anything more than what we knew last week and it's hard to even say anything about it because has anything he's getting help has anything wrong even happened like am i supposed to be critical of him or am i critical of the team i i don't know who to yell at and who to applaud in all this it just seems like a weird situation that i'm just gonna stay out of and they're 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 the team that i don't enjoy talking about a whole lot so that that's Move on from that. But they're at three. They're hanging in there. Suns at four. They're seven and three despite the Durant stuff. That's kind of a bummer. The Lakers are seven and three. This, unfortunately, is a topic that I feel like we need to address. They're seven and three. This is without LeBron James. Anthony Davis has been playing very, very well. Even D'Angelo Russell's getting in the mix here. We got Austin Reeves making noise. Like, everybody's buying into all this. Like, they finally got all the right pieces around everyone. And if LeBron could just come back. They can sneak into the playing game, and who knows from there. Zach, there's no way any of this is going to happen, right? Like, this is this is all this is all a facade here. Like, the, the Vanderbilt thing is the only good news out of all of this, but the fact that you're being reliant on a healthy Anthony Davis and a healthy D'Angelo Russell and being like, yeah, these are my favorite guys. Yeah, yeah, I see LeBron tweeting all that. This is all fake news. This is nothing. He's dying to build some momentum and put in some fake confidence into all these guys, and maybe it amounts to something. But I, this team... I just look at all the other teams in the West. I, I'm not a believer in it. I like a lot of the other rosters here. This is not one of them. Am I crazy? Who's crazy here? Is the seven and three Lakers, or, or are we right on? Like you're not buying in any of this, right? They're a little bit hot right now, going seven and three, which is good enough for out of the playoffs right now. Yeah. So. I guess I'm more impressed that Anthony Davis has actually put some games together here. I just, it's not, I can't imagine putting it together as well as if LeBron doesn't come back. I don't think this AD, like, I don't think AD is a true number one, which is crazy because he has to be a number one with LeBron here. But I think the, the, the way he plays with LeBron, is it, it works. It just, I don't think it works without him. This is like, I don't think he's good enough to do this all on his own. Uh, Warriors. I, I, just, I just don't, don't see it. Yeah, well, they'll make a whole bunch of noise. This is going to be a topic we've got to keep an eye on for the playing game because I do think there'll be some excitement in that. I don't know if I would anticipate them 
beating like the Kings in round one, but I think it's fascinating if LeBron comes back and AD is healthy. I'm not saying it's a lock for either one, but it's 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 certainly an interesting matchup. <sighs> All right, I feel like I talked way too much this podcast, which I know that's the whole point of the podcast here. But I'm exhausted of just doing the studying on all 68 teams, all of which all all this knowledge just disappears in three days when half the teams are eliminated. It's like you never need to know any of that ever again because these teams are never going to play again. New rosters, new coaches, new division, new everything next year. But I did the research. I, I gave you whatever everything I got. And I'm going to give everything I got to win the bracket this year. I do not want to lose. I don't even know what the consequence is going to be. In years past, I have locked in a victory, and this is going to be one of them again. I'm going to lock in the victory this year. You're locking it in? I'm locking oh, you, it in. This is, oh, what? The heel turn coming at the, the last moment. All all this basketball season, you said you weren't going to do it, and then the night before, oh, man, oh wow. You know you know why I'm going to lock it in, though? I, I t- I'm going to tell you. is I think. I don't think there's ever I don't think there's a true one, but I do think the seeding rankings are as accurate as they've ever been. I think we're gonna see the least amount of upsets we've seen in any tournament in the past. I, I don't know what that number is. I just think that I think there's some decent teams in here and they're all within the same playing field, but I think they got the higher seeds right. And I think those it, it may be chalk. It might be chalk. It could be a boring chalk year. I but I, I feel very confident in that and I I, I I like my odds right now. I, I, I found this Kempom website. This is great. There's a whole bunch of info on here. <laughs> Re- reinventing the wheel here. You know, I don't know if you've heard of this. Oh, man. I have uh, no idea. I don't know. I'm going to have to find out who, who told you about this site so I can you know, pay them a visit. It's, I think – I don't understand how this isn't, like, the official ranking. Like, why do we use anything else? And then how is this something if it, if it isn't the official thing? <laughs> is it – the net is the official ranking. I, okay. Why? Because <laughs> the NCAA invented it, and they said this is the official ranking. What? What is the Kemp Pop then? It's just another one. It's... He just, yeah, he just loves basketball, and he's like, I love basketball. I love math. Here we go. Well, I feel like I've given you all my tidbits for the year, and I already locked it in. Anything else you want to add for the people out there? No, I'm going to throw it back to you just, you know, to finish this off. Uh, Jim Beheim retires. 47 years at Syracuse as the head coach. You, you get your thoughts out. There's one team in the tournament that plays matchup zone, and it's not even a real zone, but sure. I, I, I can't believe a, a guy's made a career out of all that. I, I will just say we're losing guys like this, and I don't think we're ever going to have guys coach for this long ever again. Losing Coach K last year who retired – Roy Williams, Jim Beheim. I mean, this is just an end of an era. There's a few guys we listed a few. I think we were hanging out the other day just about guys that are still there. But I mean, what was Beheim? 42 seasons. Just out, these numbers are outrageous. The, the, the how long they've coached. It, it's not going to. He's nearly been in the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame for 20 years. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for guys staying and coaching forever. I'm not sure it'll ever happen quite like it did with all of these guys in that era. I think guys are just going to have the pressure to get fired or you know move on or see other promotions and other jobs as well as they just might not want to do it like it's incredible the longevity of all this i mean having any job or just a career or just being in a business environment for that long and to be that successful as well i know syracuse of recent certainly wasn't the most threatening basketball conference but i think historically that zone was something you would lose sleep over the night before and the night after and that's kind of how I'm going to always remember Beheim. It's just the, the guy that 
just somehow outsmarted some really smart coaches by just playing a weird defense. Uh, all right, is that is that good? Did I do him justice? That's good. I, I think I think it just I think it needed to be there needed to be something from you. You're a Syracuse fan, and that's a, a you know a huge giant in in college basketball that's that, that's walking away. I think I think this is maybe not the time to talk about it, but I think I think I should be granted the right to maybe select another team now. I mean, this is a completely different team now without him. It was this team with that for however long. I mean, you you could have jumped ship on Duke. I wouldn't have been even been mad after Coach K left. Because are you even a Duke right. fan or are you just a Coach K fan? Because this is the guy that made fan. this that. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I, yeah, I agree with that. So, well, I, we'll have to bring the uh, the, the Council of, uh, of Basketball Czars together, and we'll let you know if that uh, request will be granted or not. Maybe maybe I don't want this, though. Maybe this is exactly what we needed. You know, we got rid of a guy that's been coaching for a 1,000 years like it's a 1,000 years ago strategy. Maybe we need some modern stuff. Do you think the new guy will continue to play zone? No. That is going to be weird. Watching Syracuse match up. That'll be weird. Uh, I think it'll be something like he comes back for a senior day or, you know, for Bayheim jersey retirement or whatever ceremony they do, and they'll play it for, like, a possession the same way they did uh, at North Carolina. Uh, but I don't think it'll be, uh, you know, an all-the-time thing. I won't be shocked if we just never see Bayheim again. I, th- I don't know if he really wants to be in the limelight. I don't know if Coach K does either. I'm shocked he's even done as much as he's done in recent. Just, you see him here and there. Uh, all right, well, that's it for us. Everyone have a good time at the tournament. we got to play in games tomorrow. The Madness will start, was it Thursday? Thursday at noon. Thursday at noon. Get your, Get brackets, your brackets in. in. column A, little column B.